Hey, Brett. <laughs> hey, Nick. So, uh, listen, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, and um, I just want to talk something through with you and maybe everybody else out there. Uh, okay, what's going on? Uh, it, it, it's difficult to talk about. Um, it's something that I've known about for a while and then just had a really hard time, you know, just kind of coming to grips with it. It's scary, and I, I don't know. I just thought maybe we could talk about it, and maybe that might help. Yeah, man. I mean, come on, Nick. We're, we've gotten close in the last you know, year and a half. Anything. What do you, what do you need? All right, all right. Well, <clears throat> Brett and listeners, I guess, I'm 33 years old, and uh, I guess there's, there's just no other way to say this. So um, I'm just going to say it. I'm losing my hair or, or going <laughs> bald or, or whatever, and I'm not okay with it. All right, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, well, first off, You've come to the right place because I can relate. (laughs) Like, no joke, Nick, when I was a teenager and people would ask me what my greatest fear was, I would tell them that it was someday I would lose my hair. All right. So (laughs) so I'm not sure if you're looking for someone to tell you it's no big deal. But if so, that's probably not me. (laughs) But um, okay, but hold on a second. I mean, I've seen you. You You have hair. So before we jump to conclusions here, I mean, are you sure you're really losing it? Yeah, I knew you'd ask this. Everyone always asks that. So I talked to an expert. My name is Martina Devine. What are you doing right now, Martina? I am um, trying to rectify this thin hairline. (laughs) Wait, wait. Nick, are you telling me you recorded yourself (laughs) getting a haircut just so you could prove that you were losing your hair? Uh, Yeah. I just, I needed Martina to give me the real scoop. Well, I mean, fair enough, I guess. (laughs) All right, so back to Martina. Clearly, I'm losing hair. You would agree? Um, yes. How far away do you think I am? (laughs) I mean, I personally, I think you've got a ways to go. Yes. Because, like I said, back here, it's there's no scalp showing. So, I mean, I don't think it's going to be something this year that we're going to have to say. Well, that was fun. (laughs) Having hair. Now, listen, I want to be very clear about all of this. Honestly, while I'm bummed that I'm losing my hair, that isn't actually what really bothers me. What really bothers me is that I know that losing my hair isn't a big deal. I mean, I get that. I mean, if somebody came up to me and said, hey, Nick, I'm losing my hair, I'd tell them, man, that sucks, but it totally doesn't matter. It's just hair. But now that it's me, now that I'm losing my hair, I really don't like it. And what I don't like is my inability to accept that this makes me feel shallow. Again, man, I, I totally get it. And, but I will say, I think this is a kind of a good connection to our topic for this week's show. Um, so I don't know. I know you're aware of this. Our listeners might not be. But this is going to be the 49th full episode of Where There's Smoke that we've produced. It's been 49 episodes already? Yeah. Yeah. And so... The show is is turning 49, kind of, right? So, like, if if <laughs> if the show was a person, the next number would be the big 5-0, right? But it's, I think, you know, it's not just the half-century mark that we fear. It's the fact that as humans, we, we seem to find plenty of reasons to think about the passage of time. You know, and Nick, often it can be hard to accept what's happened in the past, what's happening now, like your hair, <laughs> and what's going to happen next. Uh, Nick, you can play the theme song now. Oh, oh, um, right. I, I didn't know if you were going to make me feel better about my hair or what was <laughs> yeah, happening. We'll, we'll get or... to that. Just play the theme. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay, here we go. Playing the theme now. 
Welcome to Where There Is Smoke, the show where we explore self-development through the lens of current events, pop culture, and experience. This week, as WTS creeps towards the big 5-0, we're talking about acceptance. Nick and I will knock a few ideas around, and then we'll hear from a woman who understands it much better than the both of us combined. Plus a brand new WTS digs. My name is Brett Guida. And my name is Nick Jaworski. Let's start the show. You know, they say that change is the only constant in the universe. Yeah, but Brett, who are they? I don't know, Nick. They're people who aren't us. But it sounds smart, so (laughs) I'm going to go with it, all right? All right, whatever works. They say that change is the only constant in the universe. And yet, you know, most of us seem highly resistant to it, at least when it's change that we don't want. And I can relate to what you're talking about, Nick. I've had my own struggles in the last few years around my health uh, due to age, or maybe more accurately, as my buddy puts it, due to experience. Not the man I knew 10 years ago. It's not the years, right? It's the mileage. So I've been battling through this mysterious injury over the last few years, which has caused me not only pain and the frustration of not knowing what it is, but it's made it so that I can't do the things I used to be able to do the way that I used to be able to do them. Mm. And like last summer... I started playing outdoor soccer again. And my body wouldn't, or maybe couldn't, do the things that my mind was telling it to do. And then I would try to force my body to do these things that it couldn't do, and I ended up just stacking injury on injury. And and then recently, like in the last few months, it seems like we've figured out what the root problem is of, of this injury. So now I'm on this intense daily rehab regimen, just trying to ease the pain. And more than that, I feel like I'm trying to get back to the body I had. But of course, you know, I realized that that body is gone. It's gone, Brett. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and so much of my thoughts through all this frustration has been to lean on perspective to shift my attitude. And we, we talked about this, right, Nick? Mm-hmm. Like, like we, we tend to curse the worst case scenario until there is a worser case scenario, right? <laughs> I have a much worse day than you are! It's like, I remember one time I was traveling and my flight home got canceled. And it looked like I might not get home at all that day. And in this particular case, I, w- I just so desperately wanted to get home. I was exhausted. I wanted to see my son. I had plans the next morning that I didn't want to miss. So I was on the waiting list for the last flight out. But it really wasn't looking good. And then they started calling out the standby names. And, and you were the last one. It, well, no. They, they, it, name by name, they didn't say mine. And eventually they got to the end of the list, and my name wasn't called. So, yeah, right? So I'm sitting there. I'm, like, so bummed out. I'm just like, oh, man, I'm not going to get home. And then, like, about 10 minutes later, bam. I don't know if maybe <laughs> someone didn't show. They suddenly had a seat, and they called my name. Passenger Brett Guida, please report to gate 17. So I walk up Wait, to hold on. Ca- that person sounds a lot like you, Brett. Do you work for the airline? No, no. They just happened. The guy working there, he just sounded a lot. He sounded a lot like me with my hands cupped around my mouth. It was weird. <laughs> um, so I walked up to the counter. They gave me a boarding pass. I get on the plane. And it turns out, Nick, I'm sitting in a middle seat in the very last row with like two relatively large people on either side of me. I've got no leg room. My seat doesn't recline. And you know how I felt, Nick? I don't know. I was so grateful. I was so happy, right? Because I was going to make it home that night. And I, I remember sitting there and thinking about, you know, other times in my life 
where I didn't get that extra leg room or I was stuck in a middle seat and I was so upset about it. You know, because in those moments, that was the worst case scenario in my perspective. And so as I experience these things now happening in my body, I think, well, maybe it's about perspective. I mean, it certainly could be worse. And, you know, I do have so much else to be thankful for. As a matter of fact, um, you know, I don't even know if you know this, but, you know, 15 years ago, I flew off my bicycle going 44 miles an hour and I fractured two of the vertebrae in my neck. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you add an extra few pounds per square inch on that fall and I may never have walked again. And so, you know, okay, maybe I'm not going to be able to play soccer at the level I used to play soccer. Heck, maybe I'm not going to be able to, you know, bob and weave like I used to, but but I can walk. Well, and sure, I mean, that's great. I mean, being able to put things in perspective. I know that going bald isn't a big deal. I've got my health and family and friends and a place to live and clean drinking water. And yes, any time that I can remember all that I do have, that's probably good. That's probably great. But there's just something about that perspective of, well, it's not that bad compared to X, Y, Z that feels strange. Like with that approach, unless something tragic happens, am I never allowed to be sad or frustrated or aggravated about something? I don't know. Maybe I'm not like, really, I don't know. Am I allowed to be sad? (laughs) No, I mean, I think it's a great question. And, and, you know, honestly, while I do think there's a lot of value in us reframing situations and, you know, really shifting our attitude through comparison, right? It's like, well, it's not that bad. If we take the Buddhist approach to acceptance, which Mm -hmm. is what we're talking about here, this tool of thinking, well, it could be worse or it's not that bad, Buddhism would suggest that is not acceptance, that it's avoidance. Mm. Stu, you avoiding me? Hey, what's up? Now, let me be clear, Nick. I am not a practicing Buddhist, nor do I consider myself an expert in the field. However, no, duh. yeah, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for your vote of confidence. Um, but no, years and years ago, there's a Tibetan Buddhist named Pima Chodron, and she's written a lot of incredible books. And she wrote a book called When Things Fall Apart. And reading that book at a point in my life when I was going through a really tough time really helped me. And, you know, since then, I've read other books by her. I've seen her speak. I've been on many meditation retreats where we also practice the ways of Buddhism. So I'm speaking about it from my experience of it, which I will say is also my translation of it. Right. But I think that when some people think about the Buddhist concept of acceptance, they think about it as resignation. Oh, well, you know, this is just the way it is. I guess I'll have to accept it. Live with it. But when you dig into the Buddhist philosophy of acceptance, it's not about resigning yourself. It's absolutely about responding and working to change something you don't want. But first, you must accept it as it is. It's, you know, the first step to creating real change is being honest about where you are. This is psychologist and Buddhist teacher Tara Brock in a talk entitled Genuine Acceptance. Acceptance is really recognizing the truth of this moment, what's happening right in this moment, without resistance, with openness. And it's got a courageous quality, because it's a willingness of our heart to be with, without pulling away, to be with the life that's here. So it's engaged. Acceptance isn't passive, it's an engaged willingness to be here. Now, when I first started reading Pima Chodron's books, I thought about this idea as, you've just got to sit in it. 
you know, it's like your hair, right? Or whatever. It's like, it's, you know, the idea of it, it's crap, it smells, it's gross, you don't like it. And your instinct is to try to scrape it off or stuff it somewhere where you can't smell it. And what Buddhism tells us is we've got to sit in it. Yeah. We've got to be with it. You know, you've got to be okay with the fact that it sucks. We've got to be okay with the fact that we're angry about it. And you need to be okay with the fact that you are not only losing your hair, Nick, but that you're upset about it. And that you're upset by the shame you feel for being upset about this, right? <laughs> Because only from a place of truth can we make any real change. If we're not working on the real challenge, the real emotions, the real problem, we're not creating effective change. You know, Brett, come to think of it, Martina, she's the lovely lady who confirmed my hair loss and cuts my hair. <laughs> she said something very similar to that, that for me, losing my hair is an emotional process that I have to just go through. Like, I have to accept that before I can move on. I, I think, um, you know, it's just, it's just a process. It's just a, it's the morning process. You're angry, you're in denial, I am. And you're accepted, and you can, you can wish that it didn't happen, but you have to accept it. Sad. But we all go through that in some manifestation, whether it's your hair or your face or your body or. Whoa, that's, uh, that's pretty deep for a haircut there, Nick. She's, she's like kind of doubling as your psychiatrist. <laughs> oh, yeah. Martina and I leave no stone unturned. So she's the best. All right. So going back to Tara Brock, okay. In her talk, she talks about three ways that we commonly react to things we don't like in our life. And most of our listeners, and you and I, Nick, we've, we've not only probably heard these, but we've lived them, okay? The three reactions are fight. This is the program that has shoulds to it and lashes out and judges and blames. That's the reflex, to push it away, to get rid of. Flight. We try to ignore, we try to deny, we try to distract our attention, we try to go somewhere else. Or freeze. We pretend acceptance, but somewhere inside us, we've pushed it under, okay? We've shoved it under, we've stuffed it under. When we push it under, it always comes out sideways. Well, I'm, I'm very familiar with that last one. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and the thing is, in any of these modes, sometimes it might even look like we're accepting something. But what we're actually trying to do is we're trying to control the experience instead of just being with it. The opposite of acceptance is any moment that we're trying to manipulate our inner experience. Now, I got to say, Nick, I am sure that sometime in the future, we are going to do a full episode of Where There's Smoke on meditation, because it's okay. something I believe strongly in. We talk, I've talked about it a lot. But for now, I'm simply going to say that I think meditation is one of the best ways that I've found to find acceptance with who you are and what's happening in your life. And so the actionable step to this idea of just sitting with it is to literally just sit with it. <laughs> to sit on a cushion, cross your legs or bend your knees, close your eyes, and meditate. Because one of the ideas behind meditation is that you can't escape you. You know, I've spoken before of doing 10-day Vipassana meditation retreats where you couldn't read, write, listen to music, exercise. You can't do anything that would be some form of escape. All you can do is eat, sleep, meditate, and walk. <laughs> and those parameters, Nick, if you commit to them, what they do is they force you 
to be with you. Yeah, I don't want that, though. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, I mean, I guess it all depends what you're trying to achieve, right? I mean, I think we're talking about acceptance. You know, in our everyday world, we have so many ways to escape, and we often want to. You know, we want to escape what is. We want to resist it. But the thing about what is is that no matter how hard you resist, no matter how fast you run, it still remains what is. And so the first step is that we accept that this is what is, you know, and, and once we do that, which again, I want to stress, Nick, like it's no easy task. I'm always working on it. I know you're working on it. We're not claiming to be masters of this at all, but once we do, then we can move to the next step, which is to decide how we want to respond. What do we want to do about it? And Buddhist teaching will suggest that acceptance allows us to respond wiser. That instead of having an emotional reaction, acceptance supports a wiser conscious response. So the Buddha's inquiry, and this was his whole life's journey and teachings, was when the life arises, the stuff happens, how do we find our way to a liberating quality of presence that we can then respond, not react? Okay. And his dedication was to freedom. Often in conversations about success and life goals, I hear people talk about wanting to achieve freedom. Right, And when, usually when people talk about freedom, there's two elements I hear a lot. They want time freedom and they want money freedom. They have the desire to have both the time and the money to do what they want to do when they want to do it. But if you think about it, you know, true freedom would have a few more aspects than that. I mean, for example, health freedom, right? Your physical ability to live and move as you want. Location freedom, you know, are you free to go where you want to go, live where you want to live? And one of the biggest ones I, I think is emotional freedom, you know, your inner health, right? The freedom to express yourself, accept yourself, love yourself, the emotional strength and stability to feel everything you feel and to handle those emotions, to, you know, be in control of them as opposed to feeling like they're controlling you. And I would say that this emotional freedom for many people, it equals peace. You know, Brett, that concept of emotional freedom is really interesting to me. And while I can't personally attest to it, I mean, you've met me. That's, it's, I can't attest to that idea. It feels so true. I mean, clearly, if I had attained the appropriate level of emotional freedom, this hair thing wouldn't bother me at all. And neither would my reaction to the hair thing. And so, actually, I was in Nashville a couple weeks ago, and I think I may have talked to someone who has accepted where they are in their life and found that freedom that you're talking about. You should tell me how old you are. I am. I was 95 years old today. This is my birthday. I was born May 1st, 1921. I have five generations living with me in my house today. 90, did you ever think you'd make it to 95? It, it never crossed my mind, but my mother lived to be 96. My father died at 85. Uh, oh, and I have a cousin that's 105. Uh, that helps you out, in it? I heard about that. Wait, Nick, who, who was that? That's my grandmother, Brett, Verlin Grant. She's 95 years old. <laughs> <laughs> She's happy, opinionated, and, and she does love her cigarettes. Yeah. That was five years well, ago. I would love to stop simply because it would make sense. But um, I don't know, it got you this far. Yeah, and and I can't wait to light that other butts up right there. <laughs> 
For her birthday, a bunch of family congregated at her place, and while I was there, I figured, who better to talk to about my balding issue than my 95-year-old grandmother? She'll be able to put things in perspective. And so I told her about my situation, uh, my hair situation, and then asked her what I should do. Uh, You're 95. You have answers. I do not. The question is, should I be worried about it? No. Should I be mad that your genes didn't pass on to me? (laughs) No. Definitely don't worry about that. You're terribly good looking and go with that. Well, I appreciate it. Aw, isn't that sweet? (laughs) Thanks, Grandma. Quickly, the conversation stopped being about my hair, or lack thereof, and turned to topics related to memories and accomplishments from her life. And what's really interesting to me, Brett, is that as she spoke, there wasn't a sense of sadness or regret in the stories she told, or any examples of, oh, I wish I had done this or that. And I'm not suggesting that she's never felt that way, but that now, at the age of 95, she's accepted all of those feelings as just things that happened, things that she can't possibly change. And here's the thing. Over the course of 95 years, I'm sure there are countless situations and choices for my grandmother to regret. Because she's my grandmother and because she was born 95 years ago, I asked her to describe what her earliest memory is. That's a long time ago. And right away, that earliest memory highlights several values that she strongly believes in, family and work. My earliest remembers where I can remember well I was three. So that would be what? Uh, 1924? Mm-hmm. What was it? My daddy was building a chicken house. And when he came home from work, he'd go down to work on his chicken house, and I'd be right behind him. And as he was cutting off a little block of wood, I'd pick it up and try to hammer it to something while he was hammering something. But I followed my daddy around like a little duck following their mother duck as a little kid, and he rocked me to sleep till I was about four. And he finally got to the place where he would be asleep before I'd go to sleep. So I'd sit up there in his lap and let me rock and let him rock and sing to me until he finally dropped off to sleep himself. (laughs) And I'd just get out of his lap and go get in my bed and cover myself up. Those values, work and family, have served her well, and she's passed those values on to her children, and hopefully her grandchildren, that's me, and great-grandchildren, and great-great-grandchildren. She's been a hard worker all her life and never spent a lot of time wishing she had something else or something more. Now, obviously, I'm not her, so I can't know with 100% certainty how she thinks and feels, but this peace that I sense in her seems to come from an acceptance and awareness of what she could and could not control or change. I've never been miserable a day in my life. Well, maybe miserable a day about something. But as a rule, I've been very happy. I worked hard. I enjoyed Wherever I went to work, I enjoyed it. And uh, I ain't gotten along well with people. What I didn't have never really bothered me. Hmm. I may do with what I had, what I could earn. I never... I don't think people really believe this, but I never asked anybody for a penny in in my adult life. Hmm. And it was very difficult for me to ask anybody for anything when I was even young. Very difficult. As we were winding down our conversation, I told her that we'd meet up again in five years, like when she's 100 years old. And um, I think her response is a lot, Brett. 
Sit back so I can light my cigarette, oh, and I don't want to blow smoke in your face. No, but I've right. been without my cigarette long enough. No, no, I think well, I think we're good though. I think we got what we want, and we're gonna make a plan. Make a plan. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk again in five years. That's the plan. I mean, well, we'll then, you we'll might there. have to go to the cemetery for this next discussion. Now listen, kids, don't smoke. It's really bad for your health. But in that moment, when she when she flicks that lighter to light her cigarette, at the age of 95, that's the sound of freedom. That's, well, that's f*** it. So returning to the issue of my hair. My grandmother did have more to say about it than just pointing out how terribly good-looking I am, Brett. Of course, she told me not to worry about it, and as she recounted her daily prayers for her children, she highlighted the things that are worth worrying about and keeping in mind throughout the day. And as I look in the mirror every morning at my ever-shrinking hairline, I hope to keep all of this in mind. What do you What do you pray for now? My children. Well, the welfare of my children, I have a prayer that I pray every two, maybe two or three times a day. What is it? Uh, that they will have health, happiness, prosperity, long life, goodness, wisdom, mercy, peace, love, and forgiveness. That goes every day for my children. Oh, I, wait a minute, I got that wrong. Have peace, happiness, of peace, happiness, prosperity, a long life, and a happy old age. I have added that on lately, a happy old age. Hair has always, I think, mattered to people, but it's just really not that important, and I've seen a lot of men with no hair just as handsome as they can be, and I've seen some with hair and ugly as hell. <laughs> so. Hey everybody, welcome to Digs. Of course, this is the part of the show where Brett and I tell you about the things that we're digging, the things we love, we like we like to listen to, the things we like to eat sometimes or read. So that's what Digs is. You all know how this goes. And uh, Brett, what are you digging this week? Well, Nick, before I get to my official dig, I just want to do a quick fact that I'm super digging that my favorite sports team, the Toronto Raptors, are in the Eastern NBA Finals. Uh, they are my number one mm. team. I feel about them the way you feel about the Cardinals. Um, <laughs> and it's been 21 years, and we're in the finals, and I'm stoked. And we're probably going to get our asses whooped by the Cleveland Cavaliers. But you know what? We've had a great run, and I'm going to both home games, and I'm just super excited. So number one, Toronto oh, Raptors, wow. rock on. Um, I am digging them right now. Number two, a dig that I can share with our audience that they can actually you know, also go out and grab and enjoy. I've got a music dig this week, so it's been a while All since right. I've had a music dig. So I discovered uh, a new band in the last week. They've kind of got this, the best band you've never heard of, Buzz. And frankly, a week ago, I'd never heard of them. <laughs> They're called <laughs> Whitney. Um, they're actually from Chicago, and this didn't mean anything to me, but it might to our audience. It's two guys, uh, one of them formerly of a band called the Smith Westerns, and the other guy formerly of Unknown Mortal Orchestra. And I think that'll mean something to some people out there, because both those bands had kind of an, an indie following. 
And uh, what I'm going to do about right now is in the background, you're going to play a little bit of their song called No Woman. Just a little bit of oh, an, I am? an Yeah, it's going to be playing like right <laughs> now. <laughs> There's some just instrumental music kind of playing subtly under underneath this, and you'll you'll hear it's, it's they're out. This it's kind of like Curtis Mayfield meets Bon Iver with a bit of a Wilco vibe, if that makes any sense. But it will when yeah, you listen no, to the song. That. Yeah, so um, really really cool. The the album actually comes out. I believe it's on. Uh, June 2nd, but two of the songs are currently available from the album on Apple Music, and if you actually do a little digging, you can find four songs online through different videos, um, but I'm just really loving it. I can't remember the last time I heard something that, like, really, I'm just, like, super excited for this record, so check out awesome. No Woman. The band's called Whitney. The album is Light Upon the Lake, and it's going to be out on June 2nd. So, uh, what about you, Nick? What are you digging? Well, last week I recommended a Thin Mint coffee creamer, which is the best. And this week I think we're all going to be excited because I'm not recommending a TV show again. (laughs) So victory for us. However, it is a web series, so I'm kind of cheating there a little bit. Uh, But I have two warnings for people, so listen up. One, the web series does contain some content that is probably just for adults or people with a certain sense of humor or style. So just be aware of that adult themes, adult language. And then two, honestly, the less you know about the premise, um, the more you'll enjoy it. So I'm going to do this in two parts and you'll, you'll hear how it goes. So I'm recommending a show, a web series called Next Time on Lonnie. Brett, you ever seen this? No, never. I mean, most people haven't. It has like the view numbers are so low. Uh, Next time on Lonnie, and it was created and written by two guys named Dan Shrimp and Alex Anfanger, who is also the titular Lonnie in the show. And ostensibly, it's a reality TV show about a guy named Lonnie who mostly tries to meet girls. And each episode is around five minutes long, and the second season gets a little bit longer. And there's a level of execution in the writing and the direction that I find very rewarding. So if you're interested in TV or movie genres at all, just check the show out and stick with it. They're very short, and uh, it's great. So there's that. Now... If you just trust me enough to watch the show next time on Lonnie, then skip the next 30 seconds because <laughs> you, you'll enjoy it more. If you don't know what I'm talking about yet and you still need more convincing, let me just say that uh, there's two things you need to know about it. The reality TV show part of it is like 30 seconds of a guy hitting on a girl. The music comes in. But then after that, you know, like in the TV shows where it's like next time on Lonnie is when the whole show sort of falls apart in this crazy meta way. So it'll be like the next episode will feature some sort of action film or sci-fi or heist or horror. Or in the second season, they even do a choose your own adventure video on YouTube. It's crazy and it like makes no sense and it all builds on itself. So uh, the strands sort of pick up from the first season and the end of the second season has a real payoff to it. It's fantastic. So that's all I'm gonna say about it. So go to YouTube, type in next time on Lonnie, make sure you're on season one episode one and i've also linked to it in the show notes like we always do of course and how do you spell lonnie nick l-o-n-n-y okay cool i i I think it's very interesting the fact that you actually when you said okay now for those of you who aren't sold i'm going to tell you more and by telling us more i actually feel more confused than i was before you told me more so (laughs) i'm not sure if that's going to sell people just but but either way i mean maybe the intrigue alone you're just going to go what it's so now we all crazy we have to all go watch it just to understand what the heck you just said i think which is Good. And again, adult good. themes, adult language should just be warned. It's right, out there. All right. So only for the adults. 
So those toddlers who love where there's smoke, we're not going to recommend that for you. Yeah, go week. to bed. Go to bed. Yeah, go to bed. It's late. <laughs> um, all right, cool. Well, like we do every week, guys, and I have to say, people don't do this very often, so I'm just going to put it out there. Like, we really mean this. We want to know what you're digging, too. So mm-hmm. you can tweet us at ExploreWTS. You can post on Facebook, and we'll repost it. You can send us emails, connect at wherethersmoke.co. You can go to our website, wherethersmoke.co, and leave us a voicemail, and we'll probably play it on the show. So tell us what you're digging, because we want to know what you're digging, too, because we love discovering new things, right? That's right. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. We appreciate it. Let us know where you're digging. Thanks. As we approach the Big 5-0, thank you to everyone who has supported the show over its first 16 months. Very special thanks to all of our Patreon supporters, including big-time supporter HCMA Architecture and Design in Vancouver. While we look to make a difference through our podcast, they ask the question, how do we achieve the maximum positive impact through design? If you would like to become a part of our Explorers Club and support the show, go to supportwts.com. We are also mucho appreciative when our listeners share the show on social media. This week, we want to thank Ty Harmon, at Ditch Adulthood, Dad 2.0 Summit, Lucky Treehouse, and our awesome guest last week, Drew Daywalt, for sharing the show with their followers and giving us a boost. Speaking of social media, you can find us on Twitter. We are at ExploreWTS and on Facebook by searching for Where There's Smoke. If you have a comment or questions, you can email us at connect at wherethersmoke.co or leave us a voicemail through our website, again, wherethersmoke.co. While there, you can also join our mailing list or you can join it through your phone right now by texting the word SMOKE to 66866. If you're interested in having me come and speak at an event, send an email to brett at wherethersmoke.co. And if you want Nick's help making your podcast sound awesome, check out podcastmonster.com. The WTS theme song was written and recorded by Des McKinney and remixed by Nick Jaworski. Hey, Nick, what other musical artists were featured in this show? All right, let's see. This week, we've got music from Blue Dot Sessions, The Insider, Poddington Bear, Jean-Luc Hefferman, and a lot of help this week from our friend, Kevin McLeod. Where there's smoke is resisted, fought, run away from, stuffed, embraced, accepted, soaked in, responded to, written, recorded, edited, and produced by Brett Gaida and Nick Jaworski. And as we sign off, remember, it's okay to feel whatever you feel. Let yourself feel it, soak it in, accept it, and even let the world know that is the first step. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window Open it and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Thanks for listening. We love you. We'll see you next week.